0: And then from Mark 11, 7 through 11, if you want to turn. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve.
1: Before I begin, let me remind you next week, uh, for the first time ever, we're going to have a sunrise service. Six o'clock. You will notice something very distinct about six o'clock in the morning. It is not light. That comes straight out of scripture, by the way. Our our sunrise service in The Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 1, it said, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark. Those of you who would want to be sacrificial enough to literally reenact the scripture are invited to join Mary Magdalene and be the first ones at the tomb. I told you last week that I am going to preach for a while about the church. In God's call to his covenant community that he is establishing a people for himself and why he has called the church. Last week we talked about the church being the bride of Christ and what that meant. I want to talk to you today about parades. Now, I won't read a lot from Scripture, but I will reference Scripture many times in this. And so if you want to write these down and you want to look these up later, uh, there are just too many references really to to continually read to you. The church in Greek is called ekklesia. It comes from two Greek words, ek meaning out, and klesia comes from the Greek word kaleo, which means to call. And so the church is literally the called out ones. The first question you ask yourself is, called out for What? As you reference the foundations or the beginnings of the church, you go all the way to the foundations of Judaism with the calling out of Abram. God went to Abram and said, Come out of your country with your kinsmen, and I will make of you a great nation. And through you, all of the families will be blessed, all of the families of the earth. And so you picture this family with all of their possessions, all of their relatives, all of their herds marching out. They didn't know where. They didn't know where the parade was going. But it was much, I mean, our best analogy was that it was a parade. And so, here they come. With great expectations. God's going to make of us a great nation. Should take about a week and a half. Great expectations. Isn't this exciting? God has personally spoken to us and called us out. Years later, you see the same parade, different people. After 400 years in slavery, God calls to Moses and says, I want you to help set my people free. I'm going to go to the Pharaoh and I'm going to talk him into something. He's going to change his mind a lot. But I'm going to talk him into letting you go. And when he lets you go, I want you to be let out. And so. Just like in Genesis 12 and Exodus 13, God himself leads the people out of Egypt. A great parade out into the wilderness. They didn't know where they were going. They just knew they were going away from slavery. Great expectations. And then in Deuteronomy 10, you can read about Joshua. Same parade, different personnel. They're going into the promised land. And God has promised them the promise. And He has promised them victory again and again. He promises them victory. They're so excited. This is the land flowing with milk and honey. Surely this is the destination of the parade. And years and years and years later, a group of disciples gather at Passover time in Jerusalem. And they are called out again. For another parade. They don't know where it's going to lead. They just know something about honoring Jesus Christ. And for the first time, as the old saying in Camelot for one brief shining moment, we've got it right. We're calling Jesus the Messiah, the Son of David. Hoshoshoshana. Hosanna means Hoshoshoshana. Save now. Save us, Jesus, right now. For one moment, we've got it right. And all's right with the world. When you were growing up, did you ever have a parade in your town? We had one. Shelby, Ohio. It was the biggest thing about Shelby, Ohio, other than football games. Every year on Memorial Day, we would have a parade. And it would be the talk of the town. It was so much fun. Everybody, practically everybody in the town came. And people asked each other, are you going to be in the parade? Because see, anybody could join. If you were a little kid and you had a bicycle, you could decorate the bicycle with streamers and crepe paper. Oh, it was great fun. If you had a little dog, you could dress up the dog. Have the dog run around, see? And every year, oh, it was wonderful, the beginning of that parade. All of the excitement in the world... Great expectations. And they would line up these old uh, uh, legionnaire guys. My dad was usually in the honor guard. See, that's why I was always there. And they line up from the VFW or the legion or something. They'd have an honor guard. And these old, these guys would squeeze into these uniforms, you know, and get puppy, And it, some of them could hear and some of them couldn't. And either way, it was all right because they all had guns. See, so it's okay but they lead out this parade and then you then you'd have the Shelby High School marching band looking sharp looking sharp see that was that was one of the premieres of the new band we'll go out and see what the new band looks like and and then you'd have the what we called the junior high school band back then and then you'd have the 6th grade band these guys had just formed their mouths around these instruments and it was a great celebration if by chance all of them hit a note at any time in the marching activities. It was just a great thing. And, and you, and, you, and the, the, Shelby would always try to get the little guys in the hats and the in the little motors thing, motorcycle things, the Shriner people. And it was a great thing if we could, I mean, there were all little towns around us competing for these Shriner guys. Most popular time for the Shriners of the year. And when Shelby got the Shriners, man, oh, that was the coolest thing in the world. And you'd have horses, you know. All the kids there I go, you know. That was great fun. Have the horses and you have the fire engines and and everybody with an old car would shine it up and 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 go down the street with it. And then of course you had the Boy Scouts and the Cub Scouts and the Girl Scouts and the Brownies and you know all of the troops just marching. Oh, it was glorious. And everyone would take and 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 bring their. Uh, lawn chairs. And then the people would stand behind them and then they'd get somebody on their shoulders. Oh, it was glorious. A great parade. It was a lot of fun. In Scripture, though, these things that started off so wonderfully with great expectations always ran into a major snag. Through circumstances or through the faults of personality. There was always a time when they got smashed. When they were devastated. When they were afraid. When they panicked. You know, in Genesis 18, it talks about God coming down. And after Abraham and Sarah are too old to bear a son, he says, oh yeah, I was going to give you a son, one night. Okay, next year. And Sarah goes, 90 years old? You're right. God said, why did she laugh? Uh, Is anything too difficult for me? And Sarah panicked. See, she hadn't realized she had gotten so cynical about God, she wasn't even looking for promises anymore. She had hoped for so many years for that child, she was not even looking anymore. And so when she heard the voice of God, her only response was was to laugh, nervous laughter. (laughs) God said, why is she laughing? She got panicked. She said, oh, I didn't laugh. God said, oh, you laughed. I heard you laugh. When Moses was with those children of Israel coming, I mean to tell you what, it wasn't a chapter later in the Bible before the Egyptians are running after them and it starts the cycle. The whining, griping Hebrews. They look back and here come the Egyptians and they turn on Moses. And they whine. Oh, great. This is really terrific. Was it because, it says in Exodus 14, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here, Moses? You couldn't find any graves back there? You had to bring us out here? And they whine to Moses. And Moses whines to God. Oh, these people. See? Major panic. Major devastation. When Joshua led the people in the promised land in Numbers 13, God says, look, send out spies into the land, okay? Now, God sends out spies to spy out the land. Moses miscommunicated God's instruction says, go out and spy out the people. Now, just a note here. Whenever you compare yourself to people, instead of comparing yourself to the layout for strategy, you're in trouble. Don't compare yourself to people. You only go out to compare yourself to the layout of the land so you can work out a strategy. But that's not what they did. They went over and compared themselves to the people. And 10 out of 12 of them came back and said, oh, no. And they started exaggerating. You know, you're in trouble when you exaggerate. We look like grasshoppers compared to these guys. Caleb says, no problem. Joshua said, we can take them. The rest of them are quivering masses. And the fear spreads. Major problems. The epitome, the personification of of the devastation of the parade comes after Palm Sunday in the extension of the parade where that parade would go with the personality of Peter. Peter was intimidated, fearful, And he failed the Lord. And the Lord allowed him to be crushed in his own pride. And he bore the self-condemnation and guilt of that failure. What must that conversation with himself have sounded like? Maybe like this. Let us remind you of it.
2: Miserable, slinking, frightened, degenerated, craven coward. And nothing. And nobody. An abject, weak, disloyal hider behind the silly pointlessness of bombastic, shouted curses. You rabbit. You mouse. You woefully inadequate excuse for a man. Tower of strength. A tower of shivering, quivering fear. Coward, coward, coward! How could you have done such a horrible thing? How could you have betrayed him whom you love so much more than life? One thing is damningly clear you do not, you did not love him more than life to save your own miserable little life, you cursed him. Cursed him whom you love. Reviled him. Denied him. Oh, God in heaven, how could I have done such a infamous thing? How? How could I have done it? He called me a, a rock. <laughs> a rock of aged, brittle shale that Shatters into disintegration at a single blow. Upon this rock I will build my church. Oh, oh, poor, poor tortured Jesus Bar Joseph. Gentle rabbi. Stirring prophet. Great teacher. Son of... Which cannot be. For he's dead. And I am dead. To all that I was and all that could have been. Oh God, no man living has received greater blessing than I and no man who has breathed is to be despised more than I. None. Not even poor misguided Judas. (laughs) At least he thought he was right. While I in my fear-ridden mind into stammering quaking i knew i was wrong miserable ground-hugging coward how despicable you are and always will be better to take your puny life and end it quickly for no one will find it possible to forgive you not yourself certainly nor your friends friends who such as you has friends Not family, not, oh, most assuredly not, oh God, forgive me, forgive me the most sinful of all living creatures, forgive me,
1: not because he admitted his guilt but because he had the wrong focus for the parade. You know, when we spend hours in self-condemnation and self-recrimination, we've missed the point of the parade. When we think that our mistakes have ruined the parade, when we think that our performance is that upon which the success of the parade is based, We've missed the point. I remember in Shelby people hating how they did in that parade. I can remember that when afterwards when the majorettes would would cry because they dropped the baton three times. says, Oh, I ruined the parade. When the band would play off tune, they'd say, Oh, we ruined the parade. When the kids fell off the bikes or somebody's dog bit somebody, oh, now we've ruined the parade. When they would go out, now listen to this. Every Memorial Day parade went to the same destination. We all went to the cemetery. You know, I could never figure out that as a kid. Why have a parade, such a joyous celebration that ends up in a cemetery? But we did. We all went out to the cemetery and we'd have a a performance or a a program there. And more often than not, people would mess up all through the program. Our mayor was no Charlton Heston. He gave the most boring speech every year. His only redeeming feature was that he knew he couldn't speak. And so afterwards, he'd go like this. It was terrible. We'd have little kids, boys or girls, every year recite the Gettysburg Address. I cannot remember once when one of them got it right. I remember one year a little girl threw up in the middle of it, <laughs> which was awful for everybody, but little boys who thought it was pretty cool. I remember the passing of the colors and all of the little kids, the little scout kids, see, standing at attention. Every year the scoutmasters would say, "Don't." lock your knees. Every year, when the choir performed, the choir director would say, don't lock your knees. And every year... <laughs> kids would pass up. What? they locked lock their knees. And they'd get up and say, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I've ruined everything. See? As if the parade depended upon you as if the point was the parade at all. Listen. God calls His people out and our journey resembles a parade and there is great celebration. But it all goes to a cemetery. It all goes to a place where someone has died. Not everyone who came to watch the parade made it to the cemetery in Shelby, Ohio. We probably only had about 30% of the people who really went to the cemetery to listen to that program because people didn't want the downer, you know? They'd seen the great thing and they didn't want to go hear somebody talk about death. So they just didn't go. But the rest of us who went... And I always went because my dad was in that honor thing, see? The rest of us who went didn't quite get it either. The little kids didn't. But one year, I can't remember which year, I actually heard why that parade had happened at all. It wasn't so that little kids could decorate their bikes. It wasn't so that neighbors could see each other. It wasn't so the band could perform. It wasn't so that we could get the Shriners to do the motorcycle things. One year, I don't remember what year, I heard someone talking about the people who had given up their lives so that we could live. And I can remember feeling like somebody hit me in the face with a board. You mean to tell me that we're standing here because somebody died so that we could stand here? You mean to tell me that we're not the center of attention? We're not the center of the universe, that all of this is so that we can pay attention to them I can remember being, at first, awestruck. Somebody died for me. They didn't even know me. So that I could have the great life I have. Awestruck. Second was, I wanted to add to it. I wanted to to give something. I wanted to help them. I wanted to stop them. I wanted to say, I'll pay my own way, thanks. But I couldn't. They'd already done it. And I was living in the wake of their sacrifice. I was astounded. And I can't remember the years afterwards where it began to form in my mind that the prototype of that sacrifice, of the people who would love enough to lay down their life for their friends, that while we were yet helpless, someone died for us. I cannot remember the years when it actually formed in my mind that all of that pointed toward Calvary. All of it led to the cemetery, to the tomb. All of it. That the world and the fabric of the universe is based upon the shedding of innocent blood so that others might live. All of the ecosystems have that as its theme. The great literature has that as its theme. My family and I went to see Romeo and Juliet at Lake Eola Friday night. Romeo and Juliet is about the reconciliation of two families through the shedding of innocent blood. These two who have loved each other purely Die by their own hands. And the effect is that the families who have hated each other can see the devastation of their hate and they are the benefactors of those sacrifices. All through history God is saying to us you are not the point. The point is what has been done for you. You cannot add to it. You cannot take from it. You cannot ruin it. No amount of self-recrimination, no amount of self-punishment will ever affect how God loved you and what He gave for you. No amount. We can't pay for it ourselves, yet we still want to take the posture of Peter and think it will be better if we simply blame ourselves enough. We've blown it. You know, every Sunday I walk from here and begin a process of self-recrimination. I didn't preach well today, I'll say. I could have done better. And the voices will come. Yes, and maybe they didn't hear because you didn't study enough. Because you didn't preach well enough. Maybe you didn't have enough stories. Maybe you weren't serious enough. Maybe you were too serious. When? In a short time or a long time. I have to come to the realization. There I am in the middle of the story again. And the parade is not about me. I cannot determine the destination of this parade. The parade is about Jesus. He's the point. And if I spend more than a couple of seconds in confession, I've missed the point. The point is Jesus. The point is not how well we do in the church. The point is not how well any local church does. The point is not whether we have enough fellowship or whether we have enough evangelism or whether we help the poor enough or whether we're good Christians. Everybody comes to join so that they can be better people. That's not even the point. We are called out primarily to see God and what He's done. We are not the center of the stage of history. Jesus is. The point is that we see God. Jesus. John 12, 21. Greeks came to Philip and said, we want to see Jesus. That's the point. That's the point of the parade. So it doesn't matter how well you perform. It doesn't matter whether or not things are exactly right in this or any other church. What matters is that we focus our attention on Christ. He's the reason for the parade. He's the end of the parade. Judson Cornwall said, You know, there are entire churches that worship praise. And praise worship. But they have yet to learn how to worship and praise Jesus Christ. The process is not the point. The person is the point. Your life is not the point. It's important. It's important. How much we love each other is not the point. It's important. But first comes Jesus. We are called to come to the cross and look at Him. Would you pray with me? God, all of us have joined the parade with different expectations and different reasons. Some of us really sincerely just wanted to be better people. Some of us wanted to meet nice people. Some of us wanted to learn more about the Bible. Some of us just love to march. (laughs) We love to celebrate. We love to sing. Some of us want to do right by the community and we want to contribute. Some of us want to give. Some of us need healing and we want someone to come and minister to us. And all of these things, Lord God, are legitimate. But they're not the point. What Jesus did What we look at this week, the cemetery we find ourselves in, is the point. Forgive us for paying more attention to ourselves and how we march and how we play. Forgive us for paying more attention to how we relate to each other than we do to Jesus. And Lord God, if there be anybody here this morning who said, you know, I came to become a better person, but I just want to know Jesus first. Let that person right now put away their own agenda and come and stand before you, Lord Jesus, and say, Jesus, come into my heart and live there. And for the rest of us, Lord God, Help us to put away our own agendas and help us to see the point. Jesus, we pray in His name. Amen.